Chapter Twenty Nine of Astoria or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mountain Glens, Wandering Band of Savages, Anecdotes of Shoshones and Flatheads, Root Diggers, Their Solitary Lurking Habits, Gnomes of the Mountains, Wind River, Scarcity of Food, Alteration of Root, The Pilot Knobs or Tetons branch of the colorado hunting camp resuming their course on the following morning mr hunt and his companions continued on westward through a rugged region of hills and rocks but diversified in many places by grassy little glens with springs of water bright sparkling brooks clumps of pine trees and a profusion of flowering plants which were in bloom although the weather was frosty these beautiful and verdant recesses running through and softening the rugged mountains were cheering and refreshing to the wayworn travellers in the course of the morning as they were entangled in a defile they beheld a small band of savages as wild-looking as the surrounding scenery who reconnoitred them warily from the rocks before they ventured to advance some of them were mounted on horses rudely caparisoned with brindles or halters of buffalo hide one end trailing after them on the ground they proved to be a mixed party of flatheads and shoshones or snakes and as these tribes will be frequently mentioned in the course of this work we shall give a few introductory particulars concerning them the flatheads in question are not to be confounded with those of the name who dwell about the lower waters of the columbia neither do they flatten their heads as the others do they inhabit the banks of a river on the west side of the mountains and are described as simple honest and hospitable like all people of similar character whether civilized or savage they are prone to be imposed upon and are especially maltreated by the ruthless blackfeet who harass them in their villages steal their horses by night or openly carry them off in the face of day without provoking pursuit or retaliation the shoshones are a branch of the once powerful and prosperous tribe of the snakes who possessed a glorious hunting country about the upper forks of the missouri abounding in beaver and buffalo their hunting ground was occasionally invaded by the blackfeet but the snakes battled bravely for their domains and a long and bloody feud existed with variable success at length the hudson's bay company extending their trade into the interior had dealings with the blackfeet who were nearest to them and supplied them with firearms the snakes who occasionally traded with the spaniards endeavored but in vain to obtain similar weapons the spanish traders wisely refused to arm them so formidably the blackfeet had now a vast advantage and soon dispossessed the poor snakes of their favorite hunting grounds their land of plenty and drove them from place to place until they were fain to take refuge in the wildest and most desolate recesses of the rocky mountains even here they are subject to occasional visits from their implacable foes as long as they have horses or any other property to tempt the plunderer thus by degrees the snakes have become a scattered broken-spirited impoverished people keeping about lonely rivers and mountain streams and subsisting chiefly upon fish such of them as still possess horses and occasionally figure as hunters are called shoshones but there is another class the most abject and forlorn 
who are called shuckers, or more commonly diggers and root-eaters. These are a shy, secret, solitary race who keep in the most retired parts of the mountains, lurking like gnomes in caverns and clefts of the rocks, and subsisting in a great measure on the roots of the earth. Sometimes, in passing through a solitary mountain valley, the traveller comes perchance upon the bleeding carcass of a deer or buffalo that has just been slain. He looks round in vain for the hunter. The whole landscape is lifeless and deserted. At length he perceives a thread of smoke curling up from among the crags and cliffs, and scrambling to the place, finds some forlorn and skulking brood of diggers, terrified at being discovered. The Shoshones, however, who, as has been observed, have still horse to ride and weapon to wear, are somewhat bolder in their spirit, and more open and wide in their wanderings. In the autumn, when salmon disappear from the rivers, and hunger begins to pinch, they even venture down into their ancient hunting-grounds to make a foray among the buffaloes. In this perilous enterprise they are occasionally joined by the flatheads the persecutions of the blackfeet having produced a close alliance and cooperation between these luckless and maltreated tribes still notwithstanding their united force every step they take within the debatable ground is taken in fear and trembling and with the utmost precaution and an indian trader assures us that he has seen at least five hundred of them armed and equipped for action and keeping watch upon the hilltops while about fifty were hunting in the prairie their excursions are brief and hurried as soon as they have collected and jerked sufficient buffalo meat for winter provisions they pack their horses abandon the dangerous hunting grounds and hasten back to the mountains happy if they have not the terrible blackfeet rattling after them such a confederate band of shoshones and flatheads was the one met by our travellers it was bound on a visit to the arapahoes a tribe inhabiting the banks of the nebraska they were armed to the best of their scanty means and some of the shoshones had bucklers of buffalo hide adorned with feathers and leathern fringes and which have a charmed virtue in their eyes from having been prepared with mystic ceremonies by their conjurers in company with this wandering band our travellers proceeded all day in the evening they encamped near to each other in a defile of the mountains on the borders of a stream running north and falling into bighorn river in the vicinity of the camp they found gooseberries strawberries and currants in great abundance the defile bore traces of having been a thoroughfare for countless herds of buffaloes though not one was to be seen the hunters succeeded in killing an elk and several black-tailed deer they were now in the bosom of the second bighorn ridge with another lofty and snow-crowned mountain full in view to the west fifteen miles of western course brought them on the following day down into an intervening plain well stocked with buffalo here the snakes and flatheads joined with the white hunters in a successful hunt that soon filled the camp with provisions on the morning of the ninth of september the travellers parted company with their indian friends and continued on their course to the west a march of thirty miles brought them in the evening to the banks of a rapid and beautifully clear stream about a hundred yards wide 
it is the north fork or branch of the bighorn river but bears its peculiar name of the wind river from being subject in the winter season to a continued blast which sweeps its banks and prevents the snow from lying on them this blast is said to be caused by a narrow gap or funnel in the mountains through which the river forces its way between perpendicular precipices resembling cut rocks this river gives its name to a whole range of mountains consisting of three parallel chains eighty miles in length and about twenty or twenty-five broad one of its peaks is probably fifteen thousand feet above the level of the sea being one of the highest of the rocky sierra these mountains give rise not merely to the wind or bighorn river but to several branches of the yellowstone and the missouri on the east and of the columbia and colorado on the west thus dividing the sources of these mighty streams for five succeeding days mr hunt and his party continued up the course of the wind river to the distance of about eighty miles crossing and recrossing it according to its windings and the nature of its banks sometimes passing through valleys at other times scrambling over rocks and hills the country in general was destitute of trees but they passed through groves of wormwood eight and ten feet in height which they used occasionally for fuel and they met with large quantities of wild flax the mountains were destitute of game they came in sight of two grizzly bears but could not get near enough for a shot provisions therefore began to be scanty they saw large flights of the kind of thrush commonly called the robin and many smaller birds of migratory species but the hills in general appeared lonely and with few signs of animal life on the evening of the fourteenth september they encamped on the forks of the wind or bighorn river the largest of these forks came from the range of wind river mountains the hunters who served as guides to the party in this part of their route had assured mr hunt that by following up wind river and crossing a single mountain ridge he would come upon the headwaters of the columbia this scarcity of game however which already had been felt to a pinching degree and which threatened them with famine among the sterile heights which lay before them admonished them to change their course it was determined therefore to make for a stream which they were informed passed the neighbouring mountains to the south of west on the grassy banks of which it was probable they would meet with buffalo accordingly about three o'clock on the following day meeting with a beaten indian road which led in the proper direction they struck into it turning their backs upon wind river in the course of the day they came to a height that commanded an almost boundless prospect here one of the guides paused and after considering the vast landscape attentively pointed to three mountain peaks glistening with snow which rose he said above a fork of columbia river they were hailed by the travellers with that joy with which a beacon on a seashore is hailed by mariners after a long and dangerous voyage it is true there was many a weary league to be traversed before they should reach these landmarks for allowing for their evident height and the extreme transparency of the atmosphere they could not be much less than a hundred miles distant even after reaching them there would yet remain hundreds of miles of their journey to be accomplished all these matters were forgotten in the joy at seeing the first landmarks of the columbia that river which formed the bourne of the expedition these remarkable peaks were known as the tetons 
as guiding points for many days to mr hunt he gave them the names of the pilot knobs the travellers continued their course to the south of west for about forty miles through a region so elevated that patches of snow lay on the highest summits and on the northern declivities at length they came to the desired stream the object of their search the waters of which flowed to the west it was in fact a branch of the colorado which falls into the gulf of california and had received from the hunters the name of spanish river from information given by the indians that spaniards resided upon its lower waters the aspect of this river and its vicinity was cheering to the wayworn and hungry travellers its banks were green and there were grassy valleys running from it various directions into the heart of the rugged mountains with herds of buffalo quietly grazing the hunters sallied forth with keen alacrity and soon returned laden with provisions in this part of the mountains mr hunt met with three different kinds of gooseberries the common purple on a low and very thorny bush a yellow kind of an excellent flavour growing on a stalk free from thorns and a deep purple of the size and taste of our winter grape with a thorny stalk there were also three kinds of currants one very large and well tasted of a purple colour and growing on a bush eight or nine feet high another of a yellow colour and of the size and taste of a large red currant the bush four or five feet high and the third a beautiful scarlet resembling the strawberry in sweetness though rather insipid and growing on a low bush on the seventeenth they continued down the course of the river making fifteen miles to the southwest the river abounded with geese and ducks and there were signs of its being inhabited by beaver and otters indeed they were now approaching regions where these animals the great objects of the fur trade are said to abound they encamped for the night opposite the end of a mountain in the west which was probably the last chain of the rocky mountains on the following morning they abandoned the main course of the spanish river and taking a northwest direction for eight miles came upon one of its little tributaries issuing out of the bosom of the mountains and running through green meadows yielding pasturage to herds of buffalo as these were probably the last of that animal they would meet with they encamped on the grassy banks of the river determined to spend several days in hunting so as to be able to jerk sufficient meat to supply them until they should reach the waters of the columbia where they trusted to find fish enough for their support a little repose too was necessary for both men and horses after their rugged and incessant marching having in the course of the last seventeen days traversed two hundred and sixty miles of rough and in many parts sterile mountain country End of chapter twenty nine